This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13th Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that lives by the credo of death to all false metal my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode our tour of the wide world of weird continues as we head into japan to mix together flesh and steel with the 1989 cyberpunk cyberpunk classic tetsuo the iron man punk works too and whether or not you are into marathon running, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your drill hole. And if you have good Wi-Fi running through your veins, you can find us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to Sen- shenanigans and cyber shenanigans. Truly, truly cyber shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, January 22nd, Screenland Armor, they've got you taken care of indoors and... and virtually. And that particular Friday, that... Like a, like a TV stuck on your head. We'll get to that. Not <laughs> quite ready for prime time. What we're talking about is not prime time, my friend. No. At least not here. At least not here. But that Friday, our latest Friday Night Fright, is going to be a film that I have not watched since I first saw it in the theater but I absolutely adored it then. Mm-hmm. Curious to see how it holds up, but someone that I know you are a fan of. Absolutely. Osgood Perkins, what Ari Aster wants to be. And come check out The Black Coat's Daughter, which is one of my favorite little slow, subtle, satanic flicks. Mm-hmm. And But it's been a while since I've watched it. I'm with you in the same thing. It's been since the theater since I watched it, and I'm looking forward to it because I really, really enjoyed it. I remember it made my uh, top ten of that year. Yep. And uh, I've been singing Osgood praises uh, since. And I will say this, anyone there that it's for our Friday Night Fright or when it shows again, usually the following Monday, um, the last bit of the pre-show comes from a movie called Rock and Roll Nightmare. <laughs> and if you all are familiar with Thor, and I'm not talking the Marvel cinematic character, we're talking the heavy metal badass, uh, you're welcome. Or potentially i'm sorry i'm not sure but check that out now the following friday the next friday night friday is a film that is celebrating 10 years of terror mm-hmm. one that i actually saw for the first time last year session nine it's really good isn't it it was really really good wasn't necessarily what i expected Mm-mm. but actually was kind of what i needed at S- the time slow burn psychological horror with uh, David Caruso. Exactly. And he utters one of the best fuck yous in cinema, in my opinion. You mentioned that before, and I was waiting for it, and when it hit, I was like, ooh, that is good. It's great, That's isn't really it? really good. No, so I can't wait to see that up on the big screen, but then other genre fare that is going to be going on that weekend, a new horror flick from Stephen Kostansky, who is one of the creators of Astron 6, recently brought us The Void, I have only seen the actual poster art for this, have not watched the trailer, so I have no idea what is in PG Psycho Gore Man. The trailer looks 
fucking fantastic. I wanted to go in totally blind on this because I've absolutely loved everything that they've put out at this point. Absolutely. And I'm anxious to see how that is. Now, now with the name Psycho Gorman from them, you know it's going to be practical and bloody. I assume that. Those are two things that I am expecting. So hopefully that is exp- those needs are, are met on right. that side. Now, other genre fair that weekend, a film that I actually saw back in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I Married an Axe Murderer. Ooh. Which, Whoa, man. Whoa, Whoa man. man. <laughs> has that, that song. There she goes. There she goes again. Featured so predominantly throughout that film. I actually remember really, really enjoying it. And then another one that's an I've seen that for me. And I've I've probably I've seen that to you on this one, sadly, just because I know I need to see it. And I get to see it on the big screen. We're talking William Fritkin's Sorcerer. Ooh, I need to see that. That one I am so anxious for because I it's one that I know of the... The reputation mm-hmm. that it's built around the wages of fear, the fact that I've actually here on the Mandalorian like a few yeah, weeks they ago, thing. they totally did a thing for it. Are they gonna have? Um, are they gonna have people coming in on hang gliders and like getting I, all stunt rockish? I'm not sure. William Friedkin versus Brian Trenchard Smith, sorcerer and sorcery. Oh. <laughs> That's the actual cinematic universe that I know I need, actually. Schneider's fucking fighting a leopard. (laughs) Grant Page, throw him up in there. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Now, of course, if you're not ready to come in indoors, we totally get that. Um, You can head over to ScreenlandOnline.com, where they have a number of films that you can rent. However, we will have our next Shutter shout-out coming up on January 30th. This one's going to be dope. Well, as much fun as we had with Killer Kids with Cub in the Pit. Yeah, we're going to have much more fun in Midian. <laughs> and another one that's an I've seen that technically for me. We are going to be doing a Clive Barker double feature. Uh, Shutter is going to be putting out here to stream Rawhead Rex mm-hmm. and Nightbreed, the director's cut. Ooh, ooh. So, um, Rawhead Rex is going to be my first time, and I'm looking forward to that. It's mine as well. I just remember it was the movie that uh, Harrison Reed... Uh, no, no, Rex Harrison was the one that was on the uh, the cover art that was just the most like shocking movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if that freaks that guy out, then it must be something intense. Gene Shalit loves it. <laughs> and again, all I all I know of it is that he does pee on a priest at yeah. some point in the film. Yeah. So now, of course, if you haven't already subscribed to Shudder, there are a number of seven-day trial offers that you can put together there. Mm -hmm. But if you would like some customized content, that includes a customized Mm pre-show, intro, trailer reel, and always fun post-film discussions. Uh, You can become a member of the Screenland film family by heading over to patreon.com slash screenland. And of course, that is just the tip of the tier with Screenland. They have another podcast, other watch parties, a number of ways that you can help support an awesome local company. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good content. And of course, if we're talking film family and Patreon. Hey, bellies. We have a very special little shout out here to a Patreon pally. Mm -hmm. We always love to welcome new people into our little film family. Mm -hmm. And we've met some people that we're familiar with. And we've met some people technically that are kind of strangers, you know, outside of the Kansas City area. Right. But I love it when we get an, a new addition to the film family that's organic. And you've heard us talk his wares. Uh, Michael Schultz Creative over at Etsy. Number of great artwork. Dope, dope stuff. So much good stuff. But Michael and Kristen welcomed in a new member of their family. So congratulations, Michael and Kristen, for Griffin Carter Schultz, 
new member of their family, new member of our family. Congratulations. That's fucking rad. Absolutely. And I, now I've what I've heard with, you know, bringing in your first kid is you're going to be up at odd hours. So mm-hmm. hopefully we can provide you with some laughs, yeah. some much-needed distraction when it comes to the little whippersnapper. Exactly. While you're feeding the kid, we'll be feeding your funny bone. That's what we like to do. So, again, congratulations to the both of you. Congratulations. Have fun. You know what? Uh, decorate the playpen in the theme of werewolf orgy, and then it'll be great. And then you can send us the therapy bill. <laughs> Now, of course, if you would like us to wax your car or plug or promote anything, uh, head over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. And quite honestly, for just as little as a dollar a month, you're actually going to be able to hear my thoughts on Sorcerer uh, and on you can go and hear my thoughts on Session 9, a number of things. Uh, we've got from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. And recently, I know we're also going to be releasing our thoughts on Psycho Gorman mm-hmm. for our new horror release episode. I am so looking forward to that one. I am, too. Like I said, I'm anxious to see what they have in store for us. So head on over there again. We've got a lot of content that we've been putting together, and it's been putting together our little little film family, Mm -hmm. which we like. So again, come on over now. We are, this is uh, our fourth episode Uh into this big old tour that we've been going on. A whole weird world of weird. I mean, we've gone from... um, Australia to Mexico, then we went to um, Germany, we went all over and we've seen some weird shit, people melting, squiddly diddly. I think we've seen more weird things in these past like three episodes than we have in the past like 250 some odd episodes. This has been a challenging month. Well, and that's what made me even think more is if someone came in and like their their first exposure to us were these episodes in January. Like, what kind of show are you all running here? What is your normal content? Because just kind of like this. <laughs> well, and it's and it's we've I would like to think that we've definitely challenged ourselves mm-hmm. with the movies here in the month of January, going back to the credo of the discipline that it takes to watch international horror. Yeah. Whether it is just regular horror, whether it is the weird horror, as we've been seeing. Experimental horror. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every country that we visited has offered something unique, mm-hmm. their own yes. flavor and filter that they've injected, and the, and different ways of injecting said filters too. As we've and seen, as we've mm-hmm. seen, especially within Germany and Mexico, with <laughs> possession and the untamed. But, and I hate to like harp on stereotypes or this or that, but honestly, if we're talking about the wide world of weird, you know we're going to Japan at some point in time. That's, you know we're going east at some point in time. You're going to get that stamp on our little wide world of weird passport. First of all, that's the home of Squidly Diddly, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. So, like... <laughs> they know how to do it right. right. They do it raw. They do it cooked. They do it tempura fried. It does oh, not yeah, matter. It's a, a buffet of Squidly Diddly. <laughs> Whatever your taste of Squidly Diddly, they've got an area on the buffet table. Fucking whatever taste you want in anything they at, it, over there they have it. And they have taste you didn't know you wanted and we're not even talking movies at this point Mm -mm. we are talking just everyday cultural things that happen in there vending machines (laughs) (laughs) well one of the podcasts i listen to it's called hollywood babylon it's uh kevin smith and ralph garman and they have a segment on the show called what the fuck japan and it's them talking about these cultural things that are coming out of there do you remember the bagel forehead thing no where they were getting these weird injections into their forehead and oh, it would puff shit, up yes, like a I bagel. Oh, yes, I do remember. 
Like that is so fucking weird. Just okay, do whatever you want with your body. We're not here exactly, to body shame, exactly. but at the same time, when there's a big trend of getting like a donut in your head, I mean, I could just picture like mm, donuts, hurts, hurts donuts. donuts, right? Uh, the, the like the vending machines with panties in them. You know what I'm saying? And I remember hearing about these things back in the day before the internet, before I saw it firsthand. Sleeping in coffins in hotels. I mean, I mean, not real coffins, but just like the size of like a pod. Mm-hmm. Very compact. Yeah. Very cultural differences that I really, I do want to experience Japan sometimes. Oh yeah, me too. For me the cu- too. For the cuisine, but obviously for the weirdness. Oh no, not me. Because I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Japan and fucking love it. You are like, going to, you're going to win in Japan. Exactly. Don't dream it. Where's Jay? I don't know. We lost him the minute he got on the plane. He goes, oh, look, an octopus. Next thing you know, he's gone. And so. <laughs> oh, look, an octopus. The final words of Genius McGee. <laughs> That's the place where I really have to look, watch out for greats and manhole oh, covers yeah, and shit. Will. They will just, just pull me down. They no. Don't, they don't have chuds in Japan. No, they've got squids. Yes. They, they got tentacle monsters in Japan. Well, then actually looking at their horror film and the history of horror in Japan, they've got a, I mean, a huge list of work, the body of work, the filmography, and we're mm-hmm. talking classic cinema, film with a capital F, to stuff that all, will make you question the reality you're in. It will drive you insane, like looking at the elder gods themselves, you know? I mean, like... Well, let's go back to 1954. Mm-hmm. You may consider him an elder god in many, in some ways, but uh, Godzilla... Yeah, is a prime example of Japanese horror, uh, a monster movie, um, a parable of uh, the nuclear war and the fallout from that, um, just a number of things. And Hell, even before that, there was um, Japanese samurai ghost stories. Yes, yes. I mean, even like in the Kabuki theater. Yeah. Um, but I think the big prevalence was on like ghost inspectors. Mm hmm. And that you would find. And it actually that carries through those Kabuki tales to the theater through a lot of the films yeah. that came about. Um, I know in 1960... 1960- there was a Kurosawa... Uh, Did he have one? He had a samurai ghost story, I believe. Of course he would. Yeah. Well, also, a lot of the Japanese films, shit, all the samurai films, they're just cool. Yeah. Like, Kurosawa is cool. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and I would challenge anyone to go outside of the horror genre, especially if you're not... Because I know we do have some people out there that all they watch is horror, which is totally good. Cool. But if you want to challenge yourself... Oh, you could never go wrong with Seven Samurai. No, there, and there's enough violence and bloodshed to satisfy any gore hound oh, in that movie. <laughs> and what's that's what's kind of cool is to see how those genres ultimately influence each other, mm-hmm. how they cross over, and especially kind of the connective tissue in uh, Japanese horror from all the ghost stories. Yeah, uh, we had an opportunity to see in the theater, and let me tell you something: if you're going to see House. In in a, in a way, you need to see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. That was probably uh, that was like my only second time seeing it. Mm-hmm. So to see it in the theater with a crowd, to hear people like react in a way, because you want to talk about the Mount Rushmore of weird movies, sheer number of what the fucks. I goofed and I says, okay. So when I was hosting this at the Alamo once, I was like, okay, so. Uh, do us a favor. Do you see the little napkins? I want you to keep a what the fuck counter. Yep. How many times you question or say to yourself, what the fuck? Just mark a tally, right? And then turn it at the end. I didn't even expect people to do it. People did it. 
There was like 75 on one, 150 on one. You couldn't see like the white in the on one of them. No. It was just, you know, nothing but ink. No, it just looked like a, it looked like a cartoon faraway newspaper. And another one that is kind of a parable on the fallout of nuclear war mm-hmm. and the cause and effect of that, uh, but also very entertaining. Well, and kind of like Godzilla. Yes. And it started out, even Godzilla movies started out as uh, a metaphor for nuclear war yep. and the damages and man versus nature and then go 20 years you got masurai masurai aliens coming down and monsters teaming up and shit so even like you're what started off as like a, a, a good monster tale mm-hmm. good like cautionary monster Extra- tale mutates mutates and turns into something weird as shit and what i love is the fact with godzilla like you said the 1954 is one of those it's a capital f film it is studied uh the dissertations are written about it and it in of itself though still is an entertaining movie Mm -hmm. um but then how it does become then family friendly fair yeah in many ways with like godzuka or no uh, godzuki godzuki yeah Mm -hmm. um going into j-horror i mean those, those are two words put together that guarantee that like practically defined the uh the two thousands into the twenty tens. Because as soon as the ring came out and the grudge came out, the floodgates opened. Just it went back to the ghost story. Yep, and that's just what I was gonna say. They went back to what works, the very basics, but they throw in the new technology mm-hmm. with the ring and television and our relationship with that. And then on the opposite side of the ghost story, you have the phantasmagoric with like Tokyo Gore Police and you have other ones like Spiral that are weird as shit. And those were some of the ones that you were we were kind of contemplating because you said, yeah, we're going to Japan regardless. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, genius? Japan sounds like that's you. So let's let because you were kind of my guide. So like Tokyo Gore Police, you mm-hmm. even said it's a phantasmagore. Like, what is that? What is the the genre? What is the movie? So basically, it's kind of like um, there's this drug out there that turns people into monsters. And so they use these cops to turn into monsters to fight other monsters. Uh, machine are your arms can turn into weapons like fucking this girl has an alligator for a crotch. I mean, just wild. Then you have like toilet of the dead toilet ass. And then you have um, all kinds of shit. And then I was like thinking, OK, well, well, let's go even not. That's fantastically weird. But let's get weirder than that with Suicide Club. And Suicide Club is all about. um if Tim Curry ran a death cult, but yet there's also supernatural elements into it, um, then there's all sorts of weird shit. Spiral about this um, national obsession with spirals and people turning into slugs for no reason or snails. It There's a lot of weird a movie um, dumplings about uh, all sort of uh, three. Ext- there's just so much madness. out. Wasn't there. dumplings. That was a film club movie. Was no, it no, 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 oh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Dumplings is about I'm trying to think where that's from, but it, it, it started off as a short in this one called three extremes, which had these three fucked up stories and dumplings was probably the most fucked up one. So they went and they, of course they took it and turned it into a full movie, but Asian cinema and and Japanese cinema just runs the gambit and it's all bizarre and it's not even so much like it's bizarre for cultural differences and stuff. Sometimes some of it like Tokyo Gore Police is just bizarre to be bizarre. Yeah. And so it's almost like an exercise. Well, speaking of exercising, there is a particular filmmaker that exercises his rights to make movies and Takashi Miike has been producing films in such a crazy rate 
but they're all interesting. They're all challenging. I mean, go back to uh, when we looked at audition. Mm-hmm. Uh, just <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! Uh, the fact that he has actually done uh, the uh, the Immortal Blade flick. Yeah, he, he's touched like every genre you can imagine. Yeah, and they've got some very creative filmmakers out there. So it's it, like, didn't he do the Happiness, the Kata Katakutsis? I believe what it was. I, I've still yet to see that. You can probably say yes, and you'll probably be correct. I mean, that he's just so prodigious in the amount of movie. And again, they're all, almost all of them are worth your while. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even like Battle Royale. Yeah, is another one that is or versus which we're going to have to eventually watch. Dustin's been trying to get us, but there is just a wealth of these Japanese films. However, we ended up deciding, and again, I think you were kind of going towards Tokyo Gore Police and this and that, but we ended up deciding on Tetsuo the Iron Man. If we're going to go old school and weird, let's get old school and weird. Let's get weird with it. Holy moly. Let's get really weird with it. And let's just say this. I will say... Much like a lot of the film, many of the films that we've been talking about so far, uh, there is some heady material going on here. Again, dissertations could be written, analyses could be put out there, mm-hmm. a lot of interpretations. These are going to be our reactions right. to the weirdness. Um, but, I, but even before we get into Tetsuo, talking about some of the Japanese movies, the music, and this and that, um, I've always been interested in avant garde music. Mm hmm. Which for a lot of the times is the music that's not really a uh, you know toe tapping, feeling not good. snappier. <laughs> a lot of the times it's music that can just scare people like quite. A, it's challenging. Sometimes it doesn't sound like music, but I think back in the day when I was listening to John Coltrane in the '60s, he went avant garde. He started exploring the boundaries of jazz, and I dug it. Mm-hmm. I, but I realized not everyone did. And I started delving in deeper, and that's when I discovered John Zorn, uh, who is just one of the most prolific modern composers, uh, recipient of the MacArthur Grant. Uh, he has uh, put together um, Jewish klezmer f- uh, free jazz music, uh, Naked City, I mm-hmm. believe, his quint- uh, quintet that he put together. You've heard bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. But it's challenging music. It is not stuff. You've heard some of it. Yeah. I've seen your face react like. uh, They're not going to play it on pop radio. That's for sure. Not at all. Uh, If any of you all have seen Michael Haneke's Funny Games, they actually use a Naked City song in the beginning when it contrasts to the classical music. It's the stuff where you hear this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. So I'm familiar with that. And like I said, I've always sought out a lot of that. And because of that. There's a particular Japanese singer named Yamatsuka Ai who sings for Naked City. And he does that little like that kind of vocalization. <laughs> so I've heard that before, so I was familiar with it. And again, it's nothing that I'm going, going yeah, that's the yeah. good. But I appreciate it. I understand there's some really weird, complex stuff going on, even though guaranteed a lot of people and normally listen to that, and they're like, that's just noise. They're not wrong, but it's noise structured a certain way. So I guess I my, my brain was kind of attuned to that. Mm-hmm. And I say all that because watching Tetsuo the Iron Man, I kind of understood what the aesthetic was. I This isn't I've seen that for me because I know of the notoriety. This movie is almost more like infamous than El Guapo, quite mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, this is a movie that I heard of, I knew of. It was almost like a movie 
Mm-hmm. Would you would you remember anything? With, because since this is the one technically you brought us to, Genius. Yeah. I remember reading about it back in the pitch when it first came out. They were having some sort of like like theatrical like showing at like the Tivoli or something. This would be something you would see at the Tivoli. And I didn't see it, but I was like, okay, well, what is it? the Iron Man? I wonder if it's like Tony Stark, you know? <laughs> And he goes in a weird tour de force and blah, blah, blah. And the only thing I remember that, like saying it's weird and he's got a metal dick. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to keep checking that out. Then maybe about a year ago or so, um, I was checking out Joe Bob Briggs and he was doing Tetsuo the Iron Man. I'm like, well, now's my chance to watch this movie. And I watched it and I was like, this is fucking weird, but I'm engrossed. I'm captivated by it and like because I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. It's a puzzle that my brain is wanting to put together, but also it almost feels like it has to or it will die. You know, it's like <laughs> you're driven forward by some unseen force. You right. don't know what it is and you're compelled to move forward. I got to figure out what the fuck is going on because I'm engaged and engrossed, but yet confused and repulsed. And so it's like, yeah, and let's just say this. This movie is not for everyone, no. so be warned. There's some pretty traumatic assault stuff that goes on in this movie. When you can figure if out if that's if going on. Because I think that was in a dream, technically, right. but it's still an, it's an assault on your senses regardless. Oh, yeah. When I was watching it the first time, I felt like I should have been in like an empty room with no furniture, sitting on a floor, with the 16 millimeter print plane and just mm-hmm. a room full of us all just staring, trying to like make sense of what we were watching. Like an art exhibit. Yes. Like you were saying, yes. like, but the room is all white and maybe there's like a string of Christmas lights somewhere or like a couple of like little spotlights. And there's a whole bunch of people wearing all black and some of them look very European, right? Because it's very like classy. Art, it's classy. It's art affair. Where like there's like black turtlenecks, you know, there's all kinds of good shit. Oh, avant garde. So. And then all of a sudden, you know, and you're like, oh, shit. Okay, okay. You know? So that, but yeah, you're like, this is cool. It's And that's just it. I really appreciate the fact that it is cool because all the various effects that we are seeing in terms of the influences, um, Shinya Sakamoto wrote it, directed it, edited it, shot it. So if you want to talk about a labor of love and right. a, a very unique vision, this is it. Yeah. And I literally love the way it is shot with the black and white, which gives it a Lynchian feel. In fact, I wrote down like all the the filmmakers that I was like, okay, I'm seeing bits of David Lynch, mm-hmm. David Cronenberg, uh, Sam Raimi. And then even though they were more contemporaries, but Richard Stanley. Yeah. I, I totally saw if Richard. Okay. So if it's, David Cronenberg produced a <laughs> Uh, David Lynch directed script by Richard Stanley of a remake of a live action Akira. This is what we would get. I'm I I totally make sense. And throughout the film, when it's like the shape, the change in the grain and the film stock, it just made me appreciate everything that he was going for and just a singular vision. But it also gave me a headache. Oh, not yeah. even gonna lie, it gave me a headache, and I'm like, oh. And it, it's not even my, like, disdain for found footage, which mm-hmm. is known. But at the same time, or even that first person shot, it was just so kinetic and so frantic. 
that I'm trying to see what's still going on. Meanwhile, my brain's still trying to figure out. It was, I'm surprised like smoke wasn't coming out of my head or worse with this movie. Well, between that, the sound design, which was super intense with like all the texture and yeah. everything going on with like teeth. I mean, it's an assault on all of your senses. The metal and the flesh. And even though the black and white, like you said, it adds to it because it really blends the two things together where you don't know what what is what and no. what the fuck is going on. And then you have weird organic shit popping up out of nowhere and flowers amongst the metal. And then more like squiddly diddly, op, fiber optic squiddly diddly just coming out of nowhere and just... What we madness? What did we say? Not so much squiddly diddly, medley diddly, medley diddly, medley diddly. It is beyond beyond bizarre. But this is technically part of the cyberpunk movement, which I always loved the the sound of cyberpunk. It mm-hmm. just sounded cool, but wasn't really familiar with it. Uh, did you ever read anything by William Gibson? No, but I know of him. Yes. I know of his work. Yes, and like Neuromancer mm-hmm. and how that brought into like, um, you know, cyber noir mm-hmm. and just how all those things kind of meld into each other. Between him and like Philip K. Dick and all that shit. Yeah. Well, and even the year before, I saw this um, VHS title all the time. And I just the never. Black and white with the green? Yes. Yes, the exact same one. And I just assumed based on the title. That it was some sort of sequel or live action adaptation of Akira because the one of the main characters in Akira, Kanata and Tetsuo, I just assumed it was part of Tetsuo. And Tetsuo and Akira is the one that goes god- godlike. Yeah. Which, how, has it been a while since you watched Akira? Uh, maybe about three years, but I really enjoyed it. When uh, I, last time I saw it was in the theater. Oh, was it? Oh, it was slick. So there, slick. There is one shot in there where the satellite is acting against him and he goes up into the sky. And you just get this little far shot, and he comes up out of the clouds. And I remember every time I see it, I go, oh, just because it's just so breathtaking. But speaking of the, oh, 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 you get that, that sound texture through your main character, a salary man. Black Christmas. Do you think Billy uh, actually did a little ADR on this? (laughs) If they did a Canadian remake? You would get him. If they did an American remake, it'd be Frank Welker. But it wouldn't necessarily be like if they did a Canadian remake. I don't think like it would be so much metal as it would be like leather and wood. Possibly. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The discipline of each country. That totally makes sense. But he looks like he was going for just a number of things. um, Anger, potentially. um, Railing against society, potentially. Again, I think there are some heady concepts going on in this movie, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're also seeing someone just becoming overtaken by technology and steel. And f- violently and painfully so, but yet willing and like... Well, and we've, we've, we've mentioned before, I think uh, many of the films that we've talked about here in the month of January have launched a thousand fetishes literally in the film... We have what's called a metal fetishist. Metal fetishist. And that's not even like the worst thing about it. He just kind of gets off on uh, sticking himself with metal in his body. Again, if you want to pierce yourself and do all that stuff, fine. Do whatever you want to do. As long as you're not hurting anybody else or extremely hurting yourself. And this guy was fucking himself up and just inserting metal things. Now... I think what you were saying about the abstract and stuff, I think because th- this movie is so open open to interpretation that you can put whatever you want into it. Mm-hmm. Going to the metal fetishist, was that hobo in the end of it who was beating the lead pipe and then licking it? 
was that like some sort of representation of one of their father beating him up? Because that was the same metal pipe that he put him put it in his leg and was like, oh, and like guy gave him his jolly. So it's just like, what's going on? Yes. Right. Possibly. Depends on what the day you watch this, I think. Yeah. And like you said, he's rallying against so many things, but because it's so frantic, it's hard to really think of what he's rallying against. Well, I mean, we could say he's rallying against technology, Mm -hmm. but the inevitability of a technology and our relationship with it. And then repress sexual desires. That whole... I and. So I've watched this now twice within the last week because of this episode. Again, I want to make sure I've, you know, come in. And I was shocked that I was able to get through both of it because I came into this movie with a lot of hype and expectation. This was, again, kind of a video nasty for me. I knew Mm -hmm. all about it and I knew all the weirdness of it. And I knew about that. Not the pink, not the elephant in the room, but the, you know, the drill penis in the room. I knew all of that going in. Did you know about the elephant trunk in the room? (laughs) Like this. But then actually seeing it, and like I said, just appreciating the aesthetic of what it's going for, the score in this movie is just driving. It's all this techno industrial stuff, but it comes in with this like weird saxophone. It does, I, and then do 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 something out of Blood Diner. And then, but it's during like either sex scenes or violence, and it's it's unsettling. But here's the thing, you know how. So the speaking of the music, I'm not even this this guy didn't tell you this until right now, but there was that the main theme on it. There was this old school porn that I found back in the day, right? One of those VHS ones, one of those stories, and the opening music to that was like right. So for. Whenever it would play, I'd be like, oh, 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 no. Is this a Dark Brothers production? So, like, you don't know where the movie's going to go. You <laughs> know, I, if it went into some weird way, like, or even weirder way, I should say, it totally would. The dream sequence, which initially you were like, not a deal breaker. Oh, there's a deal breaker. Right. Because everything about it is weird. Everything starts off, okay, they're going to have sex. And then, like, all of a sudden, her hand turns metal and this big vacuum hose comes out and then. And sodomizes him, and then there's the librarian on the, the 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 subway who sees this dead bird and picks it up, but it's metal. And all of a sudden, her hand turns into metal, and she starts like chasing after him, buggering and shit. Our future is metal. It is there in the title. It's <laughs> what did what did you say? Long live the new flashlight. <laughs> My apologies. Yeah, you should never hear that on the main feed. <laughs> but like, it's it's so because. Every battle ends with some sort of sex in it. Mm-hmm. Every either begins or ends with some sort of sex. I, Every it, battle. What I find really funny is, again, if someone was to come in to the episodes here in January, especially the last three, they've been very sex heavy. Very. And it's, I don't find it ironic at all that we had to go outside of the U.S. for us to find more sex in our films. We are founded by Puritans, after all. We, they, we love the gore. But you can't have the sex in there because mm-hmm. then that's the <laughs> heavens elsewhere outside of the U.S. You'll get the gore. You'll get the sex. And I think they leave it to their audience to be mature of it, mm-hmm. to know who it's for. And again, to make your own assumptions about it. It's not going to be for everyone. Absolutely not. Like, I am not going to go out and recommend possession to everyone. I'm not going to recommend the untamed to everyone. I have. Definitely. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's why we've got a very small circle of friends right? here. <laughs> Thanks, Dirty Dozen. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely not going to be, you know, recommending Tetsuo I to everyone. I, I can't recommend it. I can. I'm like, it's an interesting movie. It's very. I think people should at least see the first 20 minutes of it to see if it's for them or not, you know? <laughs> Because you get a flavor of what you're in for in the first 20. You do. You do. It is definitely almost uh, just not the greatest hits, but it's like here is the thesis statement. Mm -hmm. This is what you're going to get for about 63 to 67 minutes, depending on the cut you're watching, which, listen, we love brevity, but technically that's not a movie. Right. This episode is probably going to be longer than the movie. Quite possibly. (laughs) Well, it's an extended short, and it kind of feels like that, but I don't know if I'd want to sit through an 84-minute-long version of Tetsuo the Iron Man. I couldn't do a marathon of one, two, and three. That there's a franchise of this is incredible, and that's just it as well. I don't know if I would seek out parts two and three as as much as I really did enjoy this. This is, Mm -hmm. I feel like, I now, if, like, Joe Lynch comes back to Panic Fest, this is one of those movies I'm sure he would enjoy. (laughs) I'm sure he's loved this kind of a movie. And again, it's because it's adventurous, because it is going outside of the norms. The practical effects on display for one what you can decipher they are Mm -hmm. are very well done and like the level of gore and violence and the damage that these effects do cause is again pretty good pretty goddamn good actually well when it comes to body horror and any kind of i think you mentioned before this almost plays like a really weird maybe japanese jordy verrill because he's sitting in the he's sitting in the in the tub trying to get this stuff out and i was like to see all you look at is that old barrel luck, B-A-D. But all I know is if I was to transform into a wear transformer, mm-hmm. right, which is basically he's doing, um, I would kind of have those rocket Heelys. Those were kind of fucking rad, actually. <laughs> the way that is shot, I absolutely love that because there's a charm to it. It has almost like a Harryhausen feel. It ha- and the chase scenes almost have a Benny Hill feel. Yes, they do. Like if you play, I I would have went from what to like, especially if like the the Tetsuo's chasing the metal fetish. Metal fetish. Meanwhile, there's like a Bobby chasing Tetsuo, and like an escape gorilla chase, and then like a bevy of a buxom cheerleaders, or a bunch something. of geishas, right? <laughs> and like the Randy Emperor, and it's played by the, and the the Abbots, the old man, and then just going on, just like. <laughs> But if you think of the shenanigans in Benny Hill and then you add metal fetish, I don't know if I'd be ready for that. I don't know if I'd be ready for that at all. Oh, (laughs) Lord. Something shouldn't mix. Yakety sex. (laughs) Good Lord. Good Lord. It's 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 pretty fucking dirty. This movie, too. There's a lot of like not only like their body thing, but there's like weird sex. And when I mean like weird sex. Like no, first of all, for, forest diddling is not good in my book. Cause you wouldn't you be on the splinters. That's right. Especially after you just run over somebody. Right. Okay. Okay. And that turned her on. So have you ever seen David Cronenberg's crash? Bits and pieces of it. I need it. it that's a blind spot on my Cronenberg because, you know, my Cronenberg's creepy. I totally appreciate you. know, It's good contemporary Cronenberg, but I saw it in the theater at the Tivoli and that was a movie that had walkouts. Because it is, I even remember the first moment of the weird sexuality kicking in. Uh-huh. Even I was like, oh. Because it's about shit. metal fetishes too, isn't There's it? There's car, car crash fetishes. Um, 
but amputation fetishes. I, you know, there's another Academy Award winning film called Crash. Yes, and I'm wondering. I've seen that one. I'm wondering how many people have made that mistake. I have seen. I have seen that other Crash, and I remember thinking, "Hey, where's the stump fucking?" Where's right? that? <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> well, hey, Sandra Bullock's in here. This is going to get freaky. All right, Brendan Fraser. You know, <laughs> I loved you with the mummy. Let's see what you do now. <laughs> Could have gone. Totally different way, potentially. <laughs> well, it's funny now because uh, Brandon Fraser plays Robot Man on um, Doom Patrol, so right. it's kind of... Well, I will say definitely seek out Crash if you can, but I can totally see the connection that this guy had. And Crash came much after Tetsuo, but you can te- te- technically feel the Cronenberg connection mm-hmm. in there. The way it's shot with the stop-motion animation very much had like an Evil Dead uh, Sam Raimi feel. Yeah. Um, the sound design as well but yeah even the sound design was punishing oh because like what's supposed to be or going back to the weird sex when he's feeding the her feeding scene. when he's feeding her like scrambled eggs and he's scratching the pan first oh. of all i don't know why he's scratching the pan with the fork you don't fucking do that and then second of all when he's feeding her that shit it's like it sounds like all this like terrible metal it sounds clanging in your oh. ear and then when she's trying to be seductive by looking at the hot dog oh it sounds like she's great like freddy's glove like she's coming out of the uh, boiler room it's bizarre it's bizarre meanwhile she's like yeah and he's like eh. he's enjoying it but he's not he's like in a lot of pain and pleasure at the same time Cenobites are like i like that guy's stuff i like the cut of his jib right so like <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucking weird and then they fuck and then it gets weird okay well we're 41 minutes in we've talked about it we've addressed it but we haven't gone into detail so here's your warning we're going to be talking the elephant in the room this is the reason i think the movie is infamous the drill bit penis but see even when the girl had the uh vacuum hose coming out of her vagina and he she buggered him to death that was more shocking to me than oh, yeah. the uh big giant 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 i my this thing looks like it it looked like the drill that um schwarzenegger used in total recall when he was <laughs> killing for benny. benny you know <laughs> i got five kids <laughs> well you know schwarzenegger did a lot of commercials for japan so potentially- <laughs> that energy drink <laughs> Yosh! There's a lot of there's a lot of drilling in this movie. A lot. And it's gonna make you uncomfortable. And that dream sequence, which does feature the bug ring, that in itself is very unsettling. Uh, the way it's shot. Uh, the, the music, the, 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 the look of, of the, the buggerer, it's just because like, it's unsettling. It had very much like a dead-eyed, but an old-school kind of a spook or specter ghost Japanese feel. If William Castle made an Evil Dead movie. I can see that. I can see that. No, it, it, it's unsettling. It's beyond unsettling. But then the fact that it's just this full reveal, and even then... Once you get and the battle between the two is actually super gory, but then that next love making session or just it's that's the one that I think will put people off that'll either make them turn away or at least 
go with the remainder of the film. Because the thing is, she stopped. She, she bests him. She bests him, and it turns her ah, on. It's so... And she starts licking him, and, ma- and of course, it's going to turn him on again, and literally turn him on. Yeah. And she, he just tears up, and he... But before she's going after her with that Jill, just like, I'm going to get you. And it's it's fucked up. Oh, it's so... It's, it's still... It's like the goofiest parts, not goofy, but the the wildest parts in Natural Born Killers Mm -hmm. in a fight scene in in black and white. Just bizarre. And it ends so oddly. And then Mm. he just puts her in the bathtub. Next thing you know, she's sprouting flowers. And then becomes the metal fetishist who in his final, not final form, second to final form is in running shorts. Looking like, and if you notice at the very beginning, he was shoving the rods in, I think, to try to make himself faster. Because he had this weird thing going on with the uh, with runners. Yeah, it was biz- so bizarre. Yeah. Again, to try to better oneself. But even then, when he, he reveals, and he's got, and there's a moment where he's actually doing his hair up, making himself presentable for this big reveal, which... Mm-hmm. Is this some sort of like Japanese concierta? Like, he, what is going on? <laughs> it's his sweet 16. Right, it's, but the fact that he comes out of her. Yes. He just like peels her off like a, like a skin suit. And she turns into this like weird pus flower slime. Something. Something. Something sticky. Right. Something wet. And just, just disintegrates. When anybody dies, they turn into that. They just dissolve. Well, maybe it's because they're not they're not part of the, the, the new, new flesh. Metal, yeah. Right. It's well and metal is in your future. And this movie is very metal. Literally, figuratively with the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um it's and I like I said, the black and white photo- the the cinematography, especially when you get the reveal. I love the the difference between seeing the fetishist in the environment or whatever. Yeah. Starkly different from some of the other shots. Um, when he's like in his weird egg nest yes, thing. Yeah. And then finally when he's like, okay, now it's time to reveal myself. It looks like a tool video. It does look like a tool video. In many ways, which is, I think, again. The, Mother that... Mary's Arigato. <laughs> it just, it's, it, it's unsettling. Now, here's the other thing. I mentioned the David Lynchian film, or the feel, I should say, and very much in the Elephant Man uh, vein. I am not a metal fetishist. I'm not a machine, right? It's just he has that moment of desperation, of being cursed. Mm -hmm. And is there something to be said about our inevitable relationship with technology that this is going to happen to us all eventually? We are dependent on it. And this is back in 89, right? When he made this. I fucking freak out when the power goes out. I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? My battery's down to 1%. What am I? Fuck, I'm not going to fucking read, you know? So it's like. <laughs> so is 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 Tetsuo the Iron Man a cautionary tale? I think it is. I think it is because their end goal, well, the fetal fetishes was to turn the world into, into metal. metal. Everything, everything, the, the final form that they take when they finally combined. But it was even Matrixian. Did you notice that when he goes, let me show you the new world that I envision. And then he's stuck in this like pod. He escapes, but then they don't escape him. And that scene was fucking rad when the metal was eating in his flesh and dissolving him. And then and the, the skull, skull. And then out of the skull comes more metal and sprockets and weird shit like that. I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. That's definitely metal, right? And then he like escapes out oh, Matrix. He just get pulled back again and happens again it's almost like 
okay, you liked it the first time. Let's show it to you again weirder. Let's get weird. Let's get really weird with it. Because when because even the metal screw dick comes up again a couple of more times. It does, and it gets weirder for them because then it grows. It's what I would think a porno with Inspector Gadget would be like. You know, oh my like God. all of a sudden, like go go get vroom vroom. You know, so I'm just like. In gasping all of this, I, I'm now now I am as well, my friend. <laughs> now I'm just thinking someone stroking a cat. I'll get you gadget next time. <laughs> I I feel bad for Bring, especially in the Japanese remake of everything. Right. <laughs> you missed. Speaking of animal trauma, I'm glad I missed that because I remember the first time I saw it and I didn't like it. Then I went outside to go uh, help somebody out and and then. Uh, they're like, you missed this, the kitty melting, and I'm like, I'm glad I did. Didn't Good miss timing. It. Didn't miss it. Good timing. Well, and when it's established that he has cats at the very beginning, yeah, it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is Dustin not Because Dustin looks well. at me like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're a future salary man. Right? Mushy, mushy. <laughs> mushy, mushy. Mushy, mushy. Mushy, mushy. Again, mushy, I don't mushy. know what was going mushy, on mushy. there. Mushy, mushy. Was that some sort of morning ritual? It's pillow talk, baby. Pillow talk. That's what I said. <laughs> it's those little cultural differences that I don't know anything about. From mushy mushy to medley diddly. There's a lot that is covered in this film. There's a lot. In, in 63 minutes, it's a lot of shit goes down. It, Dustin said it best. It's like a live action liquid television commercial. Yeah. Oh, no. And Well, and yeah. And. Again, there's some heady material going on in here. Um, I will say this. He totally looks like uh, one of his forms, like a Guar mm-hmm. character. Yeah, he does. Like the metal fetishist from Guar, like the J- the Japanese member of Guar. Yeah. And then... Well, the metal fetishist looks like he was from Akira. Right. Right before he turned like full-on cybernetic, blah, mm-hmm. both of them in yeah. both movies. When did Akira come out? Uh, 88, the year before. So, yeah, you can totally feel the influence of each other, and they would definitely make like this. And one of the forms reminded me of um, Grant Grant and Slither. Yeah. The way it just kind of was all combining. Like, uh, there, you could make a very interesting almost marathon out of movies like this. Because he was otherworldly and slimy, but yet very cold and metallic. And it was like, you, I, he, I totally got those Grant Grant vibes too. Mm-hmm. Just his final form. And when it's just, but instead of tendrils, it's chords. And it's the same thing. It's just this weird, either way, you're going to get fucked up. Well, and then the, the fact that he's got an Uzi. The specific, and I don't know why it that that struck me that it was an Uzi of all things at the very top of the form when they become the the, the final final form. And when they're like, we're gonna mutate the whole world. Hundred percent out of Final Fantasy and just like this weird humunculus. It's terrifying. Multiple layered thing. The thing is like the size of a house because it's just enormous and like yeah, it's this big bulbous mass that with of the Batmobile because it had that rocket power at the back. Yep. But yet at the very very top, it had like. Dude, with this, we'll take over the world. It feels so good. At the very end, yes, when he's like, I feel so good. Yeah, it's just finally he's accepted. After they kind of fucked each other to death. In the womb again. Yeah, in they, they fucked each other into the womb. They, they they fucked each other until melding together. That The last five minutes, this is where you could probably definitely get some Jungian, uh, you know, Freudian stuff going on there. 
but that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. Is you can see it as just for what it is, which is just a weird ass Japanese horror film. Yeah. Uh, you can but you could see it as you know a take on repressed uh, sexual feelings. And nobody is right and nobody is wrong with yes. those opinions because even the directors like I just do whatever the fuck I wanted to do. And that's that's what's actually really cool with a film like that when you can actually put multiple interpretations or um, you know subjective what have you. And it's all good mm-hmm. because he had no agenda. He's like, this is what I'm going to make of it. Whatever. You, again, the baggage you bring right. is whatever is going to happen. Yeah. So now I, I don't know if I want that metal baggage. You can go like <laughs> anywhere with that. Well, my, my future is going to be metal, but it's just going to be of the uh, thrash variety as it is, <laughs> because like, I don't know if I will see this out again. I'm glad I experienced it. I'm glad I can actually truthfully say I've seen that now. This is the whole goal of the I've seen that challenge for me is to truthfully say that. But I'm glad I can, having experienced that, not BS my way through it. Because it's yeah. those specific things, those unique things that really are the, the memorable moments of it. And even with a lot of movies, if you BS your way through it, that's one thing. But with this one, you could probably say, and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. What's even better, though, is you can say the real things that happen, and someone's going, that didn't happen. You're, You're right. just making this up. What's no, wrong with it you? Was, it wasn't dogs. It was cats. You know, and like, and it wasn't It wasn't a ball-peen hammer. It was a drill. Well, well yeah, that's true. A, a peen but, hammer? Ah. ah. That's horrid, horrid, horrid. No, I don't know if I could recommend this. I mean, I would say people should try to see if, but if they never want to see it, I can totally understand, or if I'm like, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't want to get it. I don't want to like it. Yep. I can see that too. But at the same time, it's interesting. Yeah. It's provocative. It gets the people going. Yes, it does. This is the part of the buffet that we're looking at where you do have to sign a waiver of some sort before you try this dish mm-hmm. because it's not going to be for everyone. But I am definitely glad in terms of the the weirdness that we've been touring and exploring here for Japan. I, I'm, I, there's stuff that I will be able to unsee and be able to sleep at night right. versus what I was initially afraid of, definitely, with some <laughs> of those that are out there. No, um, this definitely was an excellent recommendation, and um, I'm glad I you know, definitely can see kind of the foundations of the cyberpunk movement and just that evolution of horror in Japan. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, next week we're closing out the wide world of weird, and I'm... We're going to get sexy again. Oh, boy. We're, we're going from Japan to Canada, mm-hmm. and a film that is in the dna of the show oh, and yeah. we've touched upon it uh well we found the origin of the squiddly diddly uh next week you're gonna find the origin of don't dream it be it and it's not the movie you're thinking of it is not but until that time this is greg d i'm the metallic genius mcgee and we'll see you in your dreams <laughs>